Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. How we doing? Yes, yes, this is Mitch starting the morning. As you guys heard, the at the close come on there for a second. There you go, guys. Welcome, welcome. Good morning, Monday morning here on June 14th. We're going to talk a lot of stocks today. We got Novavax, Lordstown. We got some CSR. We'll talk a little bit of some Reddit stocks, Qualcomm even. We'll talk a little bit about the CES show. We got, of course, Tim Quast on later today. Let's bring on the brains to the show, as I would like to say. Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. What's going on, guys? Good morning. What happened? What happened to Spencer? Did he get the boot? I mean, where's Spencer? Well, well, Spencer is right now hugging a wine bottle, blanket between the legs, and 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 you already know he, he he's just. He's just hugging up on the pillow right now. He, he's enjoying himself. I, the man deserves a day off. So, Spencer, if you're out there and you're listening, go back to sleep, man. Enjoy your day off. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, let's uh, let's run down the September contract, folks. Not June, September. This is the week you've all been waiting for. Rollover expiration of the June contract. September trading up a buck fifty. Uh, dance near all-time highs and just sold off a little bit, holding unchanged. That's what you're looking at here in the uh, SEP spoos. Uh, crude, uh, that's up 43 cents. Uh, made a new high on Friday, follow through today, uh, 71.34. That's our highest level since January 2020. Ooh, gold taking it down the chin, down 25.20 at 18.54.40. Silver going the same way. That's down 41 cents at 27.735. And uh, follow Elon Musk on Twitter account. Uh, (laughs) Bitcoin up 18.10 at 39.135. Can we finally get through the top of the trading range at 40K? Uh, you can see, folks, that's been holding up for two or three weeks. And Ethereum, that's up. How's my so, Ethereum? How's my Ethereum? Uh, Not up. That chart doesn't look as good. I, man, they, they, they looked like, better last week. I know. Are, you like, we liked the, the Ethereum chart a little bit better last week. Now, all of a sudden, you're telling me it doesn't look as good. Come on, no. Now, Bitcoin is near resistance, and Ethereum, Ethereum isn't uh, anymore. Well, Musk yeah, didn't mention Ethereum. He mentioned Bitcoin. Hey, what was uh, – t- tell me if I – and I might have mentioned this before. Could the ARBs just be getting in this? 
Can the arm I, just I think it's all just bots off Musk. I mean, okay. Bitcoin wants direction. And this influence that Elon Musk has over crypto is nothing short of incredible. And, you know, just because, and can, Mitch, can you find the tweet from the weekend? It was just a mention that he may start accepting Bitcoin again if they start mining it with clean energy. It yeah, wasn't even, and that's enough that to up. just like, oh, Musk, Bitcoin, that's fine. I mean, oh, I like that. This, that. That sounds like whole reception. I mean, that's what <laughs> this is. It's a Musk-driven market. I mean, we know Doge, we know Bitcoin was selling off because of Musk before, and now it's like, wait, wait. He might like Bitcoin again. We better buy the hell out of it. I mean, the bots are all over it. So, yeah, the ARB bots are all over the Elon Musk account, and they're all over trading crypto off of Elon Musk because there's no bigger influencer in crypto right now than Elon Musk. Sorry, Pomp, uh, but Musk, Musk, Musk is a bigger influencer right now. Yeah. How does that make you feel, man? It just, it just goes to show you we're, we're in a new age, right? We're in a new age where your big guns are moving price. And Elon Musk doesn't just move the price of Tesla. I think he moves the price of crypto more than he moves the price of Tesla, which is, you know, insane to think about. But it's no surprise. And what's Tesla doing this morning? Now that everybody's getting uh, yeah, back. Yeah, let's take a look. Let's take a yeah, look. Fun, Here's um, that I've, tweet. Just want yeah. to show it really show quick. Show the tweet. All right. So right here, you got it. What time, is, when was this out? Uh, so he actually re- replied to Coin Telegraph here, and he so actually the people said, are just grabbing it off of replies to other people, even. Yeah. So he said that he he pretty much bashed this uh, article for pretty much saying that Elon alleged a Bitcoin pump and dump. Um, he said that it was an inaccurate. That Tesla only sold ten percent of its holdings, and then this is the important part: the last little bit. Tesla will resume allowing Bitcoin transactions. Yeah, so it says when there's confirmation of reasonable clean energy usage by miners with positive future trend. So he's saying, clean it up, start mining it cleanly, and we'll start accepting Bitcoin again. Yep, so, so definitely we'll keep a watch. How's the chart looking, Joel? Um, that uh, uh, oh, that's gonna be an easy thing to monitor. I just, I just want. I made a bull call on this one on Sunday. So Tesla. Yep. Ooh, Mitch, uh, Mitch, this is, Mitch always hot. In, in, uh, in Tesla, um, um, Tim Quatz is going to talk about it too. Um, mm-hmm. It's trying. Uh, I would say full blown. We have a major bottom end. If we can take out, we got a ways to go. We got a pair of highs in the six thirty. Oh, I'm looking at. Um, excuse me, got the wrong chart up here. Tesla, you have a pair of highs right here. Actually, three highs in the same area. Let's call it between six thirty and six thirty five. If you could clear that and put that in the rearview mirror, then I think you got a lot more upside. It's just, uh, it's kind of where it broke down from. You had the first attempt off the 550 low, came back down, went there again. So that's, uh, after that, I'd say you clear that, then uh, considerable more upside. If not, just kind of looks like a little bit of a trading range and. That's the top of the trade. It, it's at the station. We talk about making trades when they're at the station and not jumping on board the moving train. So place your bets. You know, we, this is now got your little pennant here for him in here, Joel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, you know, which way it goes, maybe you go with the which way it breaks. If it breaks out, maybe you go bull. If it breaks down, you go bear. And I think that's – then you got to watch all these cut-throughs and rallies like Gil Morales talks about. But – it's setting up to make a move one direction or another. We know the mega caps have been quiet, and Tesla's now falls into that category. Although last week, Amazon finally showing some life. Yeah. Not coincidentally, the meme trade started to come off. 
And we've been talking about the negative correlation between the mega caps and the meme stocks. It's, it's sloppy, it's loose, but it's definitely there. A little bit bucking that trend because we did see a nice bounce back in some of the meme stocks. AMC getting a pop on Friday. GameStop coming back a little bit after having a really rough day. The question is on the meme stocks. We'll talk about them just for a couple minutes here. Is this a dead cap bounce here after a big sell-off on Thursday? Or is this just, you know, now consolidation? We've had the sell-off. We've had the shakeout. And now we're going to continue higher. Let's start with AMC technical analyst Joel Alconin. AMC, uh, boy, did it fill the – all right, that's GameStop. First look at GameStop. GameStop filled the gap from the way up, right? Uh, You had a gap, 217. You got through that by quite a bit. Um, So I'd say if we could get back – oh, yesterday's high, what's that, 240? Where are you trading 241. 241. You get above that, then it's just a question – you know, are people just going to lighten up into this after that, you know, big rally, the pause, and then the down day? I just don't think you're going to rip right back up to 280. I think you got a few bad yeah. colors. People yep. who were banking off the earnings and saying, oh, they're going to rally it no matter what. You know, I wondered if they were going to rally it no matter what, too. Uh, but then, you know, we, we opened, and they were like, are they going to rally? Are they going to rally? And then they went nope. the whoosh. So now you've got bag holders from earnings, and that's why it's difficult for GameStop to just come right back and get right back to 300. I think you got a lot of people stuck. So I do think it's a rally to be sold in GameStop, at least in the short term. AMC, what are your thoughts here? Because it went down with GameStop, but it bounced back better. And obviously this is still seems to be the Reddit stock uh, that's talked about the most right now. Is that still correct, Mitch? Is, is, has AMC has officially taken the title from GameStop as the most mentioned Reddit stock? Actually, that would be incorrect if it was just based off of the 24-hour time. 24 well, no, hours. I'm talking the last, I'm not, I'm talking the last few weeks. Last AMC, few weeks, 100%. AMC, the newer leader. GME is actually apes. going to the back. Yeah, GME is going to the back. AMC is on the front of the bus. And man, if they can hold fifty today, uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be interested. But it's such it, a it could big, take a ride. It was, it was such a big sell off on Thursday, it makes you spook. But I mean, it got most of the losses back, so that's the good news. Like GameStop still has a lot of losses from people who bought mm-hmm. it Thursday morning. Where everybody who bought AMC Thursday morning, some of these are actually up money because on Thursday it opened up forty seven ninety three. So it's a little different chart here, AMC. Um, obviously, we just talk a technical. Um, you, we can't. We know it's disconnected from fundamentals. You know, I don't know when it reconnects. It will reconnect at some point in time. They always do. But right now, trading on story, trading on hot, and trading on apes. So I don't know. What are your thoughts, Joel, on the chart on AMC? Uh, I kind of like what I see with that four o'clock open because you got to uh, fifty-two sixty-five, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've you've had sellers since then. I mean, you can't tell me that people that have not been, you know, you've sold off. I don't know what that last bump up from 51. So you definitely are seeing some selling pressure here. And what would concerns me if I'm an ANC shareholder is that boom, that's right there with, uh, with Wednesday's high at 53.39. So if you can't get this thing back up through the pre-market high back over 53.39, then I think you just kind of, you know, probably roll over. You're so close to the close. You're probably going to get chopped to death in that. So, uh, can't tell you where the saints are going to stop on support, but I can very confidently tell you where the resistance is and what, if it gets above this 5339, it has a chance to run. So yeah. we do have a new Reddit stock here. Apparently this morning, we want to give mm-hmm. Mitch some props because he, he's been talking about this one Corsair CRSR. 
I'm long it too. I've been long this thing for a few months. I was one of the growth trades. I've, I still like the name. Um, it's a big pop here. Reddit talking about the stock this morning. Why did, why is Reddit talking about CRSR now? So uh, I'll put it, I'll put the comment here at the bottom. So pretty much, uh, over the weekend, we had the consumer electric show, you know, CES guys, this yeah. showcases companies, including manufacturers, developers, suppliers, a uh, consumer technology, hardware, content and technology. So pretty much the biggest companies usually come here. Now, what I think really happened is, is a little light got turned on on Corsair Gaming. I think, you know, if I had to think of an average Reddit trader out there, I would consider them probably a gamer also. And so I think this is why another reason why they know about Corsair. But definitely you can see with 321 mentions versus a 305 mentions in the last 24 hours of AMC, you're seeing there, boom, boom. So Corsair Gaming was actually in second place. Mentioned third more, place than a- more than AMC. More than AMC, so uh, it's amazing it. that we we almost got to have a segment like the Reddit stock of the day, and it's always some you know we we have our main ones. Obviously, AMC's always talked about some of the main stocks, but it seems to be a new one every single day. I, apparently, today is Corsair Gaming. This is not your typical Reddit stock, though, because a lot of these smaller ones, you know, and the penny stocks and the, and the smaller low floaters are talked about a lot. This is not one of them. This is a real company that makes real money here. Um, kind of maybe like a rocket type deal, right? You got a company that's a value trade, making real money. I own this one in the long-term portfolio because I like the company. Um, when you get these huge pops, it's always difficult, you know, when you get 15% <laughs> overnight on yeah. no news just because Reddit all of a sudden found out about the stock. It, it makes you think, oh, maybe you should sell into the rally. But, I mean, this is a stock that I actually like. So, I don't know. I think I'm probably going to try to hold through this. It's tough when you get these 15% pops overnight. I've had this. You you gave us this back in the day here, too. You've talked about this for a long time. I bought it very poorly. Um, this was back in January, I think I bought. And actually, I, I think I was up in it for a while. I just This was one of the growth names that I decided not to sell when growth started to sell off because I kind of liked the name and I thought it could eventually bounce back. Um, and obviously, that was the wrong call. So I'm in from like 41. So I'm one of those bag holders in here that are looking this morning saying, oh, whoa, I'm getting a lot of my money back here overnight just because of Reddit, but I still like the company. Uh, I'm going to, you did get a pop. I mean, there was something as recent as a quarter to seven on this. I don't know if there was like another post or whatever, but you got the pop to 39.50 and then you backed off a little bit. So you can use that 39.50 as a target. Uh, for me, I'm looking at this March high of 37.65. That's currently where we're trading. So first things first, clear. You know, we've already traded through it. So clear 36, 30, 36, what I say, 65, then take out the pre-market high. But I just, I think it's tough between that monthly high and the uh, uh, the pre-market high, you know, to get old bullish and, you know, think it's going to 40. So I'm uh, still leaning that way. All-time high is quite a bit higher than that, but for right high? now, uh, all-time high is over fifty bucks, Dennis. Yeah, back it in is, January when they were buying everything. Yeah, fifty-one thirty-seven. Actually, it was uh, back in November. Uh, was it November? Yeah, yeah, we got, it was November. January. We got up to forty-nine, but we didn't make a new high, which was probably the sign when you get everything rallying, your stock's not making a new high. Sometimes those old highs act as major resistance. In this case, it did. You know what I've noticed on my my uh, phone with these annoying ads from these uh, from these books? I don't even know why I get them. I don't have any accounts with any of them. But they're really stepping up the free stuff now. 
Like it's not a hundred dollars or two hundred. It's like five hundred dollar free bed and re. I mean, they're just. I don't know. I know. I know people aren't running out of money and they're going to be doing gaming forever. It just seems to me, man. And I guess they don't lose anything, right? Because if they give you the five hundred and then you win, so then you get the five hundred. So you're just going to gamble. I mean, they're eventually going to get it back. So Joe, Joe, just call me, man. I'm the promotion king. I take them all. <laughs> I take them all. I don't have no <laughs> no preference on a sports book. I just take my free money where I can get it, baby. <laughs> Talk it's, to Corsair story, just the fundamental story here for a second, Mitch, because you know, you've know you been talking about this one for a long time. Your timing was impeccable uh, a few days ago. I know you started talking about this one again. And obviously now it's gotten some life. You just liked all the support. But don't talk technicals. Talk the fundamental story on CRSR for a second. Maybe we should It's moving too the much. Company closely. Uh, I'll say right now that I actually, uh, on this one, I actually stopped out twice before I kept this last position. This, so that's, that's one this, thing to kind of I want us to stop you there before you get into the fundamentals because this is what Mitch does right is he cuts the losers. He doesn't get stuck. You know, I didn't cut this loser. I wish I would have cut it with Mitch. So I need to start maybe learning more from Mitch here. Well, <laughs> but, well uh, uh, Joel, Joel tells me sometimes I'm a little picky too. So you, you got to learn know, from the opposite side too. too, you know. Swing so. at the balls up the middle. <laughs> you don't have to swing at all the curve. You don't have to swing at everything. If you're, you get all the kinds of pitches. You get more than you know, three strikes here. But don't swing at them all. Don't swing at them all. But so Mitch, this is what you're doing this, right. Is behind the, the company is a lot a lot of 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 coverage on the whole gaming sector we're talking if you look into your computer my memory is made by corsair my cooling is made by corsair they make so much things that are behind just not only gaming let's say the thing behind the thing the microphones everything lighting they have elgato they have the streaming services they make great acquisitions they coming out with more products and more products. Really, you have to compare the top three. You have to look at Corsair. You can look at here, which is you know Turtle Beach, and then the leader, Logitech. Those are the three. Yeah. But really, the problem here and why I think Corsair and I like it better than Logitech is because they're into, let's say, memory, into the computer stuff, actually in your computer. You don't see Logitech memory, right? And so that, I think that's right there where they separate themselves from Logitech. And Logitech has been the, the major leader for a long while. I think Corsair Gaming is definitely stepping up there. I like the story too. I've liked the story for a long time. It, like I said, it's been a loser for me, but um, you know, obviously getting some Reddit love here now. I don't wait to see what happens today. And some people say maybe in a pop like that, you sell half. I yes. mean, if it, let's it just, just if say, it just got let's just stupid, say I'm selling. Let's just say I'm selling. Are you, you going to sell half here I'm today? Because you're in this more for like mm-hmm. you stop yourself out. And Mitch is very short term as well. Um, you know, I'm and 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 probably Reddit picks it up because of C. The, the the conference here over the weekend correct like this is probably why reddit picked this up yeah so we don't spend too much time on corsair i have a lot to talk about today let's keep it going i want to yeah. keep it going for everyone what do you got we got talk. so bitcoin stocks could possibly move also we got into the bitcoin talk but we didn't look at the bitcoin stocks btbt mara riot those three uh, i think are going to be on a lot of people's watch with that bitcoin move you know they're right yeah. off support they're they're really getting pushed down what it could have that opposite reaction today. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think they were oversold and they've been looking for some life and now Musk gives Bitcoin some life and it's a good call that the Bitcoin stocks probably move as well. We're already seeing Mara trade up 7% here in the pre-market, right? Blockchain, RIOT, similar move up 7%. You know I like to pair those two stocks together. They pair very well together. Some of the laggards in the sector that, you know, quietly BTBT, which is bit digital, smaller one, 6%. Coin never moves as much. It's got a lower beta than the other ones. Maybe because it's more widely owned, widely traded. It's up 2%, though, so getting a little pop here, too. I mean, maybe we could talk Coinbase for a second here, Joel, because here's the stock that's been looking for a catalyst. It's been looking for something. We've been in Consolidation Station for three or four days here now, having a struggle getting up over 230. I think it could do it today. I think it could get up over 230 on this Bitcoin move, and then maybe you start to break out a bit. Again, I hate chasing, but it's only up 2% here this morning. It's out of the realm of possibility it could get some more love. I have no position on this one right now, but I'm watching it. If it opens, you know, and maybe sometimes what you get, you get that opening price where they gap it up, and then you get a few people that are, you know, taking their profits and you come in a little bit. And that's where I like to strike if you think the move's going to continue again. Bitcoin is your leader, so you got to keep watching Bitcoin. And if it goes to roll over, then these stocks roll over as well. But as long as Bitcoin's holding up, maybe Coinbase gets a little life here. Yeah, three highs right here in the same area for Coinbase. Just call it 230 for simplicity's sake. Got over there, now struggling with it. A lot of consolidation is what you're seeing. Uh, it doesn't seem like these things are, are popping, at I don't know, on a percentage basis. This is up 2%. Bitcoin's up 4.8%. But I think I would just have to stay uh, Bitcoin-centric focus here because you've had this big trading range, right? You're up on a tweet, down on a tweet, been really trying to decide, hey, do I want to break down besides, you know, below 35, take out 30 or do I just want to bust a, bust above 40 here? We haven't had a significant retracement of this whole move yet. And it looks like it was going to happen here. It didn't. So I'll be following Bitcoin. If Bitcoin you know, gets above 40K, and I know you guys are looking at this more for day trade and stuff, but is this the top of the trading range in Bitcoin? If it is, then look at your stocks. Look at if they've been in a recent trading range and focus on the top of that trading range. That's right there. I mean, Bitcoin's the leader. That's why it's up. That's why it goes down. Mara, what do you have? You have uh, 27 and a half. So that's that's trading above uh, you know the recent highs. It holds 27 and a half. Maybe we'll get up and get over 30. But the room, uh, the 30 40K. looks like. Yeah. 30 looks like if you just take your Harlan pie and eyes and you say, well, old support becomes new resistance. Mara's 2858 here this morning. Hard yeah. to chase it because I think there's going to be some major overhead supply around 30. So 20. I think there could be another buck in here. I think it struggles to get over 30 today. Interesting. The low on that day was 2762. Uh, on the gap down, you know, the next day it gapped down. And then those are your last three highs. So, yeah, above 27 and a half, stay there, test that 30. But more importantly, getting above 40K, 40K in Bitcoin. Paul Tudor Jones on CNBC right now pumping uh, Bitcoin as well, saying, I want 5%. I'm just reading the headline. I want 5% of Bitcoin as a portfolio diversifier. So you got real money managers here now talking it too. I mean, <laughs> this is the media, right? You get a big move in Bitcoin. Who's the bulls that we can come in and talk about this? You know, that's what they, <laughs> you know, that's what drives it exactly. even further sometimes is that the media is like, oh, we got a big move. Okay, well, let's go talk Bitcoin here today. Who can we get on here that's going to talk Bitcoin? I don't know if Paul Tudor Jones is already scheduled, but I don't think so. You know, coincidentally here, they probably see the big move of Bitcoin and then, you know, give a shout out to whoever, you know, it has a big name there that might obviously like Bitcoin. So 
up uh, he, Paul Tudor Jones not hurting Bitcoin's performance here this morning either. All right, let's keep going. Let's go into one that everyone wants to hear about. I know there's only one person out there that probably didn't want to hear this news. Lordstown Motors said on Monday that the chief executive officer, Steve Burns, and chief financial officer, Julio Rodriguez, have resigned days after the electric truck maker warned that it had substantial doubt to continue as a going concern into the next year. The company named Becky Roof as an interim CFO effective immediately. So the CEO and CFO just stepped down out of the blue here. Yep. I I mean, the short report that got put on this stock, it was basically headed... When was that short report? I'm pretty sure it's that little gap down right there. Yeah, right here, right, Mitch? Yeah, Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'll I'll look it up right now. Yeah, but ballpark the date there on the Mm -hmm. chart. March? Point to it because I'm not seeing where you point to it. it, I don't see where you're looking. Right here. Boom. It it already come off. You see that red line? Okay, he's in the top. This is sometimes the trouble with the four charts is I'm I'm seeing the little little arrow. Here's something for you, Mitch. We need to make that arrow bigger because some people have glaucoma vision like me, and I don't even see an arrow on there right now. So we need to make that little arrow bigger for Joel here for the next show. So when he's pointing something out, we can actually see it. Uh, But anyways, okay, so you're saying March. So that's when we were, what, $25 down to 18 That was the original. No, no, it was after that. It It was was after after that. that. Yeah. Can you see that? I made the chart bigger for you. You see this gap down right here? Yeah. Going from 18 down to the 13. Yeah. That was that, the short report. Yep. Yep. So it's such a it's such a tough call here because you're in a market where people want a story. They've wanted to buy this stock back again and again here in the last month. And bad news has been bought on this. I mean, it was bought to a certain extent, even, you know, obviously it sold out for two days, eight eighty eight. But then, you know, a couple of days later it gets back, you know, a thirty percent rally in three days. Now you sell off again. It's like, will eventually the bad news just make people to say, I'm done with this stock? And, you know, that's the question is eventually if you keep coming out with enough bad news, people are just like, you know, what's the story here? I so we know March been, 12th, March 12th is March the 12th. exact date. Exactly. There you it's go. It's been riding story for a long time. We know it can't ride profits or even sales because it's still, you know, preliminary for even for sales here. But I don't know. It's such bad news three, four days ago when they had to put in the disclosures a going concern and they didn't know if they were going to raise enough capital to even get started. And that's when the stock went from 15 down to in the eights, bounces back, people start to forget, starts to get some life, and then boom, gets slammed with another bad headline. What's it do at the 888 low, June 9th? Can it hold the 888 low? Because that is the test. Um, that That's what the level it's got to hold if you got hope. Marcus, we hope. I, mm. I wasn't on the show on Friday. I, I heard from some of my followers, though, but I guess Marcus is still holding strong here. So obviously, you know, we like Lordstown. We we like Marcus. We want Lordstown Motors to work out for Marcus here. I'm skeptical myself, to be honest. I'm skeptical. It just seems like a, a boxer, you know, that just kids just gets up and then boom, they just gets slap it back down that, again. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. gets up the, and you the know, news. Get, yeah, and then like this. seven, one, two, you know, then they get up at six, and then the next time they get up at seven, and then they, I mean they got to produce something, you know, yeah. and and now it the focus is, are they really producing anything, or are they producing what they're saying they're producing? So 
man, it's such a convoluted story. I mean, the only reason I follow it is, you know, because of Marcus, right? And um, that's why we follow it more closely. Yeah, that's we have it. Marcus on every Friday. We know he's been stuck in the stock for a long time. I mean, we talk about cutting losers. Marcus did not want to cut this loser. Um, obviously, he was trying to get, you know, to turn it into a winner. I'm saying my own strategy is not like that. I cut losers all the time. I have losers every single day, a lot of losing trades every single day. Because on a given day, I might make 100, 200 trades. I will tell you, 30, 30% maybe or more, 40% maybe more. I never really even do the known numbers on me, but I'm telling you, I have like you know dozens of losing trades, You know, at least dozens and sometimes a lot more than that, maybe even to the triple digits every single day. I'll just say, don't be afraid to take a loser. Mitch, you know, it's Corsair. He's liked the story for a long time, but, okay, it's breaking down. I'm going to try to get it back in at a better price. And he cuts the loser, cuts the loser, you know. And I think that's how you stay in this business for a long time is by cutting those losers. This has been the type of market where stocks do bounce back. And, you know, people are being rewarded when they're holding on because, you know, they do come back. I mean, even my Corsair, that's been a loser that I've screwed up. You know, maybe I should have cut that a long time ago. I kind of the only reason I didn't sell that one is I, I still like the story and the valuation wasn't ridiculous. I'm getting bailed out this morning here by Reddit and maybe I should take the bailout, but at the same time I still kind of like the story. So and I I don't mind the valuation. You know I've always about story. My own swing trading and long term investment portfolio is about do I like us? Is there a story here? Could this just be something that people could get behind? And is there some type of value here? That's my own style. I like value investing a little bit more than just, you know, buying something just on pure hope. So it's tough, man. Trading is tough. You know, it's always tough to take losers. But I'll tell you, you know, from my experience, the people who really do well in the long term in this in this business aren't afraid to take a loss. So, Marcus, I, we're hoping you can cut this loser eventually or, you know, if you get your money back, that's great, too. Uh, but um, my point is just don't be afraid to take a loss. This is also this is just such a messy chart, too. I mean, since you've come off that low, but uh, 888 pre-market low, you have another low in the lower nine handle. So you have your support. And now it's, you know, it's 60, 70 cents above it. So now I think you back and fill. You know, you find buyers there. So today's a big day for it. Let's hold that pre-market low. Let's get What's back. the pre-market low? 888. No, that was that, it's, it's the pre-market low is the same as the low from that was oh, the low I'm sorry, from three 918. Years ago. 918. 918. You yeah, got good I'm support sorry. at 9 bucks. What's it do? Yeah. That's yeah, what, critical support. We're going to say critical support. The reason it's critical, you start taking out that 888 and you start thinking people are done with the story. And the story is still alive, but the story keeps getting put holes in it. And obviously, losing your CEO and CFO today puts a few more holes in the Lordstown story. And if you get rocking and rolling to the upside here, I'm sure a lot of people would love to see that low from yesterday at 10.59. So if you're doing this on a scalp, uh, two lows right there, and then even more people would like to see that closing price of 11.41. But uh, first things first, this is a hold that support there. And even here, this little bump on the last bracket, that got up to 10.60. So someone was paying, they're like, hey, I'm getting out. I'm getting into the gap fill. So that's what you had. You actually had a chance to get out at yesterday's low momentarily. Uh, so keep an eye on that. SP's just hanging out uh, near the close, up a couple bucks. I, I saw the action on Friday and a little bit. It just seems like it was just like a little bit quiet, sell off, holding off, and then kind of rallied back at the end of the day. But, of course, coming in the quad witch at the end of the week, and uh, we'll see how traders get positioned for it. But been pretty quiet the last couple of days from what I've seen. 
All right, last comment on this one. I want to just comment that don't forget, guys, that the intellectual property behind the Lordstown truck came from Workhorse when he was the founder of Workhorse. So definitely pay attention to that. Workhorse could definitely see some reaction because of this. Just, just keep an eye on it. I think Workhorse is really just the investors in Workhorse are still waiting on an update on that contract. Is it Oshkosh? Does it come to changing up the the kind of the release that they were talking about? Do they go all electric? I think that's really the focus of Workhorse, but the relationship still is somewhat there. So keep an eye on it. And Workhorse, we just want to do technicals on that too. I would say Friday's low critical here, 1461. Clover is trading with Workhorse here right now because they're both Reddit stocks. They both started to take off the exact same time when we had the short squeeze trade. And they're both, you know, if we go to that list, that high shortinterest.com list, Clover and Workhorse were both right at the top. So both short squeeze plays. That came off significantly in the last couple of days, but stopped going down on Friday. We know with some of these stocks reversed, AMC coming up a little bit. Clover, I would say critical to hold the third. 1443 low and then workhorse same thing holding friday's low is critical as well 1461 i have no position in either of these stocks yeah the workhorse just to give you just real quick that 1461 that matches the four-day low too at 1460 so double significance i don't know if triple d was saying that just because of friday's low and then the same thing with uh cloverleaf uh holding that gap area uh but 12 bucks i mean if you do get into that gap Get, you know, bounce off the first time off 12. We got uh, Tim Quas there waiting in the background. You already know, guys. It is definitely time. It's Monday. You guys already know. What would we do every single Monday, guys? It's time for Mark. All right, all right, guys. Look who we got. We got Tim Quas. Before we get a little bit into stocks, I just wanted to show my man. And, and the Eddie Line Brewery. Oh, I, I, I looked into it, Tim. I, I went there. I, I got some beers. You know I had to get some. So appreciate Good you definitely you. telling me about that brewery. You guys are like neighbors, eh? Money match. I, I got to come Quas. up, man. I got to come up to the mountains, come spend some time like next there. door neighbors. It's, uh, it's 42 degrees here this morning. Oh, yes, beautiful. Can, it's getting you know, beautiful, right, can, Tim? Right, Co- coffee by the. I've got the. I've actually got the fire pit going out on the deck, uh, and so you can start Sky the day man. with coffee out there by the fire pit, and then take your eddy line down and uh, float the river. That's you know that's a Colorado lifestyle. Holy, I gotta move to Colorado. That's where I gotta be. You guys, you guys gotta live in the dream out there, man. <laughs> what about Northern Michigan, Tim? You ever been to Northern Joel, Michigan? Colorado, Northern Michigan. We know what oh. Joel's favorite state is. Well, Joel, Joel, I hear that. We're oh, you know, I want to, I want to go to uh, Traverse City. I've never. That's been That's where I was City. this weekend. I was is north of right? Traverse City on Northport. I'm telling you, actually, I swam in Lake Michigan. Michigan. I was the oh, only one of our group. You, 60 uh, degrees, man. Your it was, life may, may be complete now. No, man, that. oh, man. After a 22-mile bike ride, I'm like, oh. I'm going in. And they're like, you're not going in. And I went, But you got to get up there, the northern lights. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I must have saw oh. 8,000 stars there on Saturday night. But let's talk markets, Tim. And uh, <laughs> you, you kind of like it. Or you think there's a potential here for Tesla? Let's uh, talk about your Tesla setup. Okay, we can talk about Tesla. And, you know, the setup to this is it's a Mark Twain gave us a lot of good lines to use. And uh, one of them, to paraphrase, is that you you and I uh, collectively 
uh, know all there is to know. You know all there is to know, and I know the rest uh, about this. So the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That may have fallen flat, <laughs> but let's talk, let's talk about. I saw too that you were talking about Clover and Workhorse and yeah. these. Uh, you know, they're they're. Uh, right we name. continue we continue to see uh, stocks that that move in ways that defy gravity and the and uh, what you would expect from supply and demand. Uh, we, we could talk about that. Uh, the I'll, I'll give you this little tease. If you're you know if you're trying to do a remodel project. Uh, and you and you want to get lumber for it. Uh, not only is it very expensive, but instead of being able to get it in three weeks or a month, now it takes uh, ten weeks or six months. And how come that doesn't happen in the stock market? If the if the supply of something is strained, why doesn't it take longer to get it? It's something we should ponder. Yeah, uh, and we can come back around to why that's true. But let's let's. Well, talk you can about, always get supply if you move the price up enough. But what if no one sells? <laughs> they always the, seem to, though. Joel used to teach me when I first started Bright Train 1999. He's like, you don't always find a stock a buyer for a stock that's going straight down, but you always find a seller for a stock that's going straight up. You always seem to find somebody always willing to take profits. <laughs> It's uh, the human fear and greed are uh, two of the most consistent pillars of our existence. There's no question about that. Uh, but I, I, to me, this is why market structure matters. It's part, it, if traders are going to uh, navigate the market to the best that we can with, uh, with the, the best probabilities of returns and the best protection from the unknowns, it is necessary to have a baseline in the rules market structure, the, the behavior of money behind price and volume in context of rules. And so uh, we, we began with Tesla. So let's talk about Tesla. Notice this is the, uh, I forgot to change this title. Let's do that really fast. And by the way, traders, you can do this. Just come join me. So go to marketstructureedge.com, put your name and email in. Doesn't cost you a thing. And you can walk along with me to see what we do here. Uh, by the way, it's very easy to add things to the to the portfolio. I listening to your conversation, I added workhorse and clover there. So let me let me go here and look at at uh, Tesla. So right. Tesla is actually at the top of this list, and the this is a a portfolio, and and it will rank things by default from the lowest market strength uh, structure sentiment, which is a gauge of supply and demand, short term supply and demand. We're not looking. Uh, six months out, we're looking about 10 days out. What happens 10 days from now, roughly, in Tesla? Well, if it's bottomed and 4.2 and short volume is below 50% and passive money is the lead behavior, it is probable that Tesla is higher 10 days from now. It's not an absolute, uh, but it's a very good rule of thumb. And uh, uh, the time to leave Tesla was when it peaked or uh, here at ten, this is this is when you leave. You pick you pick up shares when it's oversold, and you leave when it's overbought, and you just comp continue to repeat that pattern. Uh, and so I would look at Tesla and say, I'm watching this now. I prefer that stocks drop lower than four, because if if you're just at four, you you've got sort of an equalizing of supply and demand, which then diminishes your upside. But all other things being equal, I would look at Tesla and say, that is going on my watch list. I might even create an alert to tell me when Tesla's 
market structure sentiment ticks up because that's the opportunity. So let's go in the same vein, since we're talking about these stocks that have strange uh, characteristics that really defy the broader market. And we look at Clover, which clearly was the thing to trade last week. Right. Uh, here, here is market structure sentiment looking over 30 days. And interestingly, you could do the same thing. You could, you know, if you were right on top of this and watching it, the best time to buy something is about when sentiment ticks up, and particularly if short volume is way below trend. Notice that this short volume is the amount of trading volume coming from borrowed stock, and it gets to why, uh, Joel, your your adage about uh, greed always motivating people, notwithstanding. When market makers manufacture stock, they have an exemption from Reg SHO Rule 203B2, repeat that over and over, uh, they can manufacture stock to fill infinite orders, which is the trouble of, with trying to short a stock that becomes like this. But this condition could affect anyone. It doesn't have to be Clover Health Investments. It could be Ford. It could be GM. All stocks are subject to this because market makers are exempt from the short locate rules. That Again, means, I just yes. want to clarify because we were getting a mm -hmm. lot of questions on this, but this is yep. only for the t until two days settlement though. So no. they have the exemption, but that, then they are not exempt from, um, I don't have it in front they, of me now. I was actually reading the SEC release on Reg SHO, but they, they, they cannot stay short if they can't find the locate after two days. No, they have 35 days. They have trade day plus 35. Why is that? Because when I read Reg SHO, Tim, I don't read it like that. Let's bring yeah. it up. Let's let's read this. So here's yeah, what you yeah. have to if you if you want to find this traders, here's what you have to do. Because the exemption's clearly in there in Reg SHO. You can read about the exemption. Tim's absolutely correct with the exemption. Right. Market maker exemption. So you really have to dig deep to understand this. But here's the thing, market makers engaged in bona fide market making. They're, they're the ones who can, who selling stocks short without having, having located stock for delivery at settlement. Can you do that? Well, yeah, if you're a market maker, you can. Now you have to dig deeper into the actual exemptive orders yeah. to see that they have T plus 35. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the, this is an essential concept for traders to understand. Uh, that because regulators wanted a continuous auction, that is, there is always buying and selling occurring. Well, how can that possibly be true? And I, I like to use this analogy of an art auction. First of all, somebody has to be willing to sell a Wayne Tebow. I met Wayne Tebow one time. One of his paintings is sold for $19 million. He's, you know, he's passed away. Uh, but if you want to buy a Wayne Tebow painting, there are only so many of them, just like Bitcoin. There is not an infinite supply of Wayne Tebow paintings. So somebody has to put it on uh, up for sale and an auction house will manage that and people who are qualified to buy it will show up and a bidding process will begin. That is the opposite of a continuous auction market. Right? That's that's like an opening auction or a closing auction, and and the painting is sold and the buying and selling ends. Well, that is not the way the stock market works. The stock market between 9:30 and 4 Eastern time is continuous buying and selling. Well, what if there's nothing to buy or sell? Well, that's what all the that's what the DMMs, the designated market makers on the floor, are paid by the NYSE to make sure that does not happen. 
they become supplemental liquidity providers and other broker dealers can become supplemental liquidity providers. What does that mean? It means if we run out of supply of something, somebody will be paid to furnish it. Well, where does it come from? Right here in the rules. They're exempt from having to locate shares to borrow. It even goes so far as to say is naked short. You can look at this. You have market maker exemption, naked shorting. And you will see that they'll say, well, not at all times is naked shorting illegal because the market depends on it. Uh, A retail liquidity program. What happens in that? Well, that's where your limit order, if you're at uh, Schwab, goes into a pipeline and is immediately sold to Citadel Securities or somebody like that who now knows where that order is priced, but they own it, right? So when they can say, looking at the supply and demand in the marketplace, what is my willingness to fill that order here? Well, if I can look around and see that there's enough demand that it will push the price there, I'll fill it with shares that don't exist. And I can do that over and over thousands of times a second until supply and demand equalize, and then I'm out. And the NYSE and other exchanges will pay them through a retail liquidity program to be the best offer to sell because that is the best price in the marketplace. This is also, you don't have to know this, but you want to be comfortable that somebody does, and we do. Market Structure Edge is backed by all of this data so we understand the effect that it will have on how stocks behave. That's what happened to Clover. Here's what happened. Right here is the manufacturing of supply to fill these orders. They could see it coming. Now, it's going to continue. Look at that. I would have left right here. Soon as the trend goes above the line, I know that they're manufacturing artificial shares for buyers, but that also means the market will equalize. And so I leave. That's how to do it, traders. I'm digging into Reg SHO right now. And, you know, and it's it's very good that you've brought this to our attention here. You know, the market maker exemption here. Um, It says for an ordinary short sale, the stock must be located before the short sale can be executed. Obviously, we know that. However, bona fide market makers, which is what uh, Tim is talking about here, are exempted from this rule and can short sales without locating the stock. This is naked shorts shorting, which if executed in accordance with, with the rule of Reg SHO is legal. When these rules are not followed, it becomes an illegal naked short. If the stock involved in the naked short can be located and borrowed in the two-day period before settlement, it just becomes an ordinary short sale. However, if the stock cannot be located and borrowed prior to settlement, it creates a fail-to-deliver situation. If the case of a fail to deliver, a broker-dealer is supposed to take cash from the short account and purchase shares in the open market to close out the position. Now, bona fide market makers who are perceived as providing liquidity to stock trading can maintain naked shorts for a longer six-day period, it's saying here. So um, so that's, you know, you've got 35, 6. This is when you get really deep down to the rules and trying to uncover. And I'm not a market maker, so these rules don't apply to me. Um, so obviously, you know, we're really digging down into the ditches now trying to find out, you know, how long. Can they hold on to those shorts without finding the locate for? You're saying it's 35. This this place is saying it's six. Which we're, we're still trying to find out the numbers of mm. how long they can hold that for. It isn't an infinite amount of time, though, obviously, because you think it's 35, so it's not infinite. Um, we're just trying to find how long they can hold it for. It's not infinite. The question is, can market makers be squeezed? Uh, it's a, it's a you know it's a fair question. Yeah. Well. Well, it's a different uh, situation for sure. They get squeezed because no market maker wants to hold AMC from 10 to 50. So they can definitely be squeezed to lose money. But can they be forced out of their position? Exactly. Well, here's the the thing. They don't have to return shares 
to anyone. That's the issue. They don't have an obligation to return them. Plus, as you know, Dennis, uh, the these traders generally are holding shares for fractions of seconds, not for days and days. So who ends up with that obligation? What's more, if you're a proprietary trader, uh, rather than if you're a, so if you're a riskless principal or you're a full service broker broker dealer, what those terms mean, traders, is you're handling customer orders. If you're handling customer orders, you're, it's illegal for you to front run them. That is to put your own interest ahead of your customers. If you're a proprietary trader, you can do whatever you want. So if you create an, a supply of stock for, to, for CLOV to fill trades that are in the pipeline, then you can offset it with something else. So if I know I've got an obligation on my balance sheet potentially way out here, what am I going to do to mitigate that? Well, that is a liability. How will I offset it with an asset? Well, I will go long something else that's moving the opposite direction so that I constantly reset my teeter-totter. Virtue explained this to me three years ago with what they, what they said they do with their models. They said, we are continuously sifting the market and it's very, very similar to our, our sentiment model. They said, we're looking for stuff that are fours that are becoming fives and we go long those things and we look for things that are sixes that are becoming fives and we go short those. And at the end of the day, we want it to be zero. And when you introduce this idea that they don't have to locate stock, all that matters is do we get to zero? That's it. I know it's hard to wrap your head around it and you don't have to worry about that, uh, traders. This will tell us. The, the beautiful thing that this, I, you know, I'm biased because this is my platform, but the, it doesn't matter how much prices move. Sentiment isn't going to gyrate beyond one in 10. It's always going to tell you when the conditions are risky. The conditions are clearly riskier up here than one they thing are to down here. Too, Tim, like, do you honestly think there's market makers that are just holding this stock short from 10 to 70? Do we think it's the market maker? Because market maker, to understand, and Joel, you were a market yeah. maker. You're always wanting to flip. You're always wanting to flip. Market right. makers learning the business to pick up pennies and lose no, no thousands way. of percent here. So, and if they do, I, they're getting rolled over. Uh, yeah, right. I think it's unreasonable to think that we just have a bunch of market makers that are just getting killed on this. I think it's more reasonable to think, and people don't want to hear that, the market makers are still able to flip AMC probably fairly easily, that they're being able to buy on the bid and sell on the offer. And in all likelihood in this AMC, it's the market makers that are still probably making money on this. I think it's, you know, and I think if you asked, I, I think, you know, we, we saw this with GameStop back in January where we had um, the one Bloomberg reporter that came out and was saying and showing that, you know, it was kind of equal and that Citadel was actually doing very well through the whole GameStop situation. What are your thoughts on this? No, no question. No question. Uh, the, the, there's no question that market makers who, can, who understand supply and demand and who can stay fractions of seconds ahead of the market have a, have a huge competitive disadvantage. And I've brought this up to the SEC around what's called regulation fair disclosure, something that the, uh, the, the corporates, issuers have to comply with. It was created in 2000. You might say, where is Quast wandering to now? I want to explain this. This is fun. The, this is fun. The, we love the, you, Quast. The, <laughs> the idea of, of Reg FD was that the, the big sell-side analysts like Henry Blodgett, who founded Business Insider now, he's, he's been able to rebirth himself, and, uh, and Mary Meeker and folks like that 20 years ago, 
they had inside information about uh, IPOs and where those things were going to go, and they let people have access to them. And then big public companies had very close relationships with analysts and would interact with them. And the SEC looked at this and said, there's an informational advantage for institutions and sell-side analysts. Well, we we can't have that. And remember, this was the period in 2000, right when webcasting earnings calls exploded. And, and in some cases, tens of thousands of retail investors would show up for these things, like the Yahoo call with Tim Kugel. And so that rule was put in place to get rid of this informational advantage that that, that audience had, public companies and sell-siders and institutions. Step forward 20 years, and who has had the informational advantage since Reagan MS was instituted? And it gets worse and worse. It's the market makers. The market makers know things nobody else does. They own the pipeline. When Robinhood or Schwab or E-Trade or Ameritrade, you know, those things are, well, E-Trade's owned by Morgan Stanley, Schwab and Ameritrade have merged. Uh, Robinhood's got 20 million accounts. They're all selling their order flow to people who now have an informational advantage. And they're never, ever going to get caught out. Virtue in its S3, its, its IPO filing, this was years ago, reported that they, they, had, they had 1,289 out of 1,290 profitable days they had one losing trade day in five years yeah how does that work for you so very consistent right so why is why is that possible there's only one way that that is possible it's not luck it is having an advantage and so when citadel looks at the pipeline and goes oh those are equalizing they're no longer the ones exposed to all the stock they created somebody else is and what will happen invariably is it's going to go down. It is very basic math and economics that that's going to happen. So is that good or bad for the market? Well, I don't think it's good. I mean, if if Bitcoin is good, then this model is bad and vice versa. I mean, we're very reliant, and we've talked about this on the show over the last seven years too. We're very reliant on a very few number of firms for the majority of the market's liquidity. You're so when when you right. look like the majority of the liquidity, like you think about what the NYSE flora looked like 25 years ago, and you think what it looks like now. I mean, we yep. went through from hundreds of market-making firms to basically how many are on the floor now? Seven? How many do we have on the floor left? Well, if, and if you're talking about core market makers, the designated market a makers. A few, are just a very few. Four. four. Is there four now? There's, And they're all proprietary traders because the NYSE floor rules prohibit opening a stock with a customer order it's gonna that's why you get these massive fluctuations at the open versus the close in the close are are all the orders trying to get to the reference price but yeah there's so there's you've got uh vertu you've got gts you've got infinium and i'm forgetting the fourth one well citadel Citadel. There you go. So there's <laughs> the, the, the big gun. Ci- the biggest the, one. The, 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 the gun right. that's on the other side of majority of your trades. Uh, there everywhere. you go. And yeah. sometimes these three of these these four are seventy five percent of volume in Which a in crazy. a given stock. It's the craziest thing in the yeah. world, and yeah. yet nobody is paying any attention to it save save here. Well, you it's know, like an oligopoly, really. Money. I mean, it we've is. come from you it know is. like. We're not a, a monopoly here yet, which Citadel would love to have a monopoly here. But you're on an oligopoly where you've got three or four major players that are controlling pretty much everything. Exactly. So, yeah. And there's a symbiotic, we'll, and I, we're going to run out of time here, I know, and I want to leave you with one thought about where the market is going to. But there's a symbiotic relationship between those firms and the SEC 
because the SEC, when it propagated Reg MS, Regulation National Market System, a market-wide system of interconnected electronic markets where, where marketable trades have to, by law, be automated. And now 95% of trades are running on algorithms. And if you want to be at or between the best bidder offer, it's got to be automated because that's the law. Why? So it can flow to wherever the best price is. You can't do that manually. And so who's, what is the mechanics that operates that market? Citadel, Virtu, GTS, Infinium, Quant Lab, Hudson, uh, Hudson River Trading, and so on. And there are 15 of those firms, and there are about eight broker dealers running 85% of customer orders. And the whole market depends on that group, as does the SEC, because this market does not work without it. If you did away with that exemption, the market would have no liquidity and we would have violent moves. So there's That's a the reason truth. for this exemption, which does right. make sense. Like I understand right. from a market making perspective as well. Obviously, like I said, right. Joel was a market maker. I've worked with when Bright Trading was formed back in 1993, it was formed from all market makers from the floor. So, you know, you get the history. The rules change over time. I mean, these two, right. the Reg SHO was what, 2005. So they keep changing over time. So we've got to keep reading and understanding. And 2009. But, up in 2009 yeah. as well. But, you know, obviously, you know, you got to keep reading and understanding the rules as you go along. But, you know, exactly. again, they have those, you know, there is an exemption there. Those rules don't apply to all the hedge funds that we're talking about there. There isn't a right. market making exemption for a hedge fund. There's not a market making exemption for bright trading, but there is for these designated market makers, these few firms. And that's why those hedge funds are getting killed. They don't understand the market. There are too many people in the market who don't understand how it works. And that's why, by the way, traders, that's why you use marketstructureedge.com. It's because we do. Now you're part, now you're part of the the cool kids. This, <laughs> this, stuff, this stuff affects how the market behaves. And I know we have to run. I want to leave you with this. Look at uh, this is this is for risk management. This 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 line right here, this is broad market sentiment for the stocks comprising the S&P 500. Here's the trouble for the market. A healthy market moves over six and back to four. That gives us great trading opportunities. Look what has happened since mid-April. Look at that downtrend. We can't even get over six. That is a problem. And it could lead to a major market correction. I'm not saying it's going to happen. When you I'm say major, what are you thinking? Like 10% type deal? Like a correction? Like they say an actual market correction is 10% as well. You know, right. they, they kind of yeah. quote it. Is that, that what you're thinking? Like random, a 10%er? Random number. I think it could be worse. I, yeah. I think if this begins to, if the, what happens if it begins to crumble is Citadel and Virtue are out and then you don't have any prices and the whole thing can tip over. I'm not predicting that that's going to happen, but every time that we have in the last 10 years struggled to get to six, it has preceded a market correction. So it is highly probable that we have a, a move down ahead. Again, this could be the exception to the rule. But I also look at the amount of deviation, standard deviation in prices between stocks and ETFs, and I think we could have real trouble. So be wise. Thanks, Tim. Great Thanks, stuff, Tim. Tim. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Good to see you. All right, guys, uh, I'll let you take it. I'm going to go over to freemarketprep.com. I, I noticed we didn't cover hardly any tickers today. So, Mitch, I'll, I'll talk to you for the 3.30 show. Got you. All right, guys, we're going to be wrapping up here. Definitely check out Market Structure Edge, guys. Tim Quas, guys. All right, guys, we're going to be wrapping up here. I'll get Dennis to get on out of here. But before you get on out of here, Dennis, I want to let you know, I yep. took some profit, CRSR. Are you selling into this? 
just got a 41-42. It, I'll take hot. that. I mean, have they talked about on CNBC? A lot of times you're looking and when these moves and these big moves have, when it gets in the major media and then CNBC comes on, and here's your Reddit stock of the day, you get that extra CNBC push. A lot of times, you know, when I'm trading, you know, and obviously I always sell too soon. I'm one that always sells too soon as well. But if you're looking at, you know, there's a big move and a big stock, likelihood Kramer's just starting his segment right now. He's likely going to talk about it, and then sometimes you get more of a push. But you got to watch what he says too. Sometimes Kramer says, okay, this is overdone. And you'll actually see Kramer move the stock. Or Kramer might say, no, you know, this is a, a company that's for real. And, you know, I like this one. And he can continue to see it move higher. In the case where we saw this, you know, with uh, what was the main stock uh, from last week? Um, the one that was out of the blue, that was a bigger company. The, the AR. No, the, no, the big, bigger company. I, I, why am I forgetting now? The one that was moving off Reddit, I was like, that's a Reddit stock move. Um, the, 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 it wasn't a Pepsi. It was, um, um, Oh, man, Chad, help me out here. Wow, I'm getting old. You know when you turn 45, <laughs> you start forgetting things here. So here I am. I can't even remember that That's stock That's that good weekend. Week. Yeah, no, it was a stock from last week. It was, um, I was like, That's Wendy's, Wendy's. Wendy's, the Wendy's. Wendy's. Thank the you, Wendy's, Nola. Thank you, Wendy's. Kevin. Wendy's. So anyways, Wendy's, we saw this Wendy's. move in like Wendy's. And it was up at like 26. And Kramer came on in his morning session and said, no, Wendy's is for real. This is like a good one. And, and it really ripped. <laughs> So you got to watch Jim Cramer, very influential. We were giving Elon Musk love on crypto. Jim Cramer talks about these Reddit stocks and he moves them as well. So you got to just pay attention to what Jim Cramer saying too, because he can turn a stock. He can make a stock continue to go. And we are trading these Momo names. It's the major media like a Jim Cramer that can really move price. So keep an eye on that one. Definitely, definitely. We'll keep an eye I on have it, that. Full disclosure, I might sell some of it today, too, because it's starting to feel ridiculous at 27% up here. Like I said, I've had this for months in my portfolio. But, you know, this is a big move for Corsair Gaming. Congratulations to you, Mitch, on having it overnight. Obviously, we're just getting lucky from Reddit here this morning. But, again, this is talked about because of that CES. So, you know, some savvy traders might have been thinking, oh, they might be tired to start talking about gaming stuff. But I don't know why Reddit, you know, is so hot for this one. And, Obviously, there's lots of other gaming stocks as well. You were giving us here already. Sonos is another one, S-O-N-O, which was hot for a while, but it's cooled off uh, again as well. Um, so keep an eye on those two. But right now, it appears to be all CRSR right now. Yeah, I'm going to be watching. Of course, you guys heard I just took some profit. Um, you you can go ahead, and I, I know you got a lot to do, Dennis. But I just want to mention before we get on out of here, guys, one major news that we didn't get to. Want to make sure we get to that. That's NVAX guys coming out with their uh, third trial results, uh, an effectiency of ninety point three percent across nearly thirty thousand patients. Not nearly as high as they were talking about earlier, but definitely still ninety percent. And they did say that they were going to go ahead and start uh, plans to file the emergency use with the FDA in the third quarter. Thanks, Mitch. Great job today in Spencer's absence. We will see you guys tomorrow, but Mitch is going to continue with you right now. All right, guys, let's go ahead and let's, before we bring on Matt Hammond, we're going to talk a little bit of IPO coming up next. So stick around, guys, if you're a big IPO fan. But before we get into that, I wanted to definitely, uh, I pointed out NVAX there, but let's see what other stocks we got out here moving this morning. Um, just looking at the pre-market gappers list. Uh, of course, you got some bigger name, uh, some cheaper ones up at the top and ENOB, uh, kind of eight. ITOS. Of course, we've been talking about Corsair Gaming that's been making a big move up, but we'll be watching some other ones. Mara, Mara up already about 8%. We talked about Bitcoin stocks being strong, so definitely keep your eyes on that. 
NVAX, you guys see it up here. So definitely watch that. Another one that I'm going to be watching today, guys, I'm going to be watching to see if solar stocks can make a run. Some of the solar stocks that I'm going to be watching are SOL and max and to see if we can get a solar run another thing that i'll be looking at is maybe some clean energy one of the highest known stocks on reddit to this morning was clne we'll see if it can get a lift really big price to watch i'm thinking is going to be above this 1125 if we can get a big push into the open that's kind of what i'll be looking another big stock mentioned for a while back on SPACs attack, we talked a lot about BurgerFi and that potential run that it could have going into the open, uh, going in also to reopening plays. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into everybody's favorite time. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on the one and only Matt Hammond. How are we doing today? I'm doing great, Mitch. How you doing? Doing great, guys. So one of the things that Matt does is he does an excellent newsletter, guys. Check out IPOWarriors.com. Let's go ahead. Let's, let's bring it up. What's coming on this weekend? Or this yeah, no, week? thanks, Mitch. Uh, last week, uh, we're going to review a little bit of last week first. Uh, one point that you just made is taking profits when you're up. I mean, you're almost always going to end up taking profits too early. Yeah. Um, that's just that, that, the, name that's of the, the game. story of the book, right? And, and I really try to like, it, it's like a mental discipline for me. And we're going to see some great examples from last week's IPOs where I really try not to do that my, to myself, to torture myself, because you get yourself in this bad habit of holding through the peak and it's way worse, especially if you end up taking a loss on a position where you could have taken a win. I mean, that is the worst position to be in. Um, take your profits when you're taking profits. It's not free money. You worked for it, but it's money you didn't wake up with that morning. So take your money, put it in your pocket. Don't get in the habit of psychologically torturing yourself for, oh, if I had held it longer. You, you know, you make your strategy, you take your outs when you see the profit, and you move on to the next trade. It's a really bad habit, I think, to, you know, to get into to say, no, I should hold longer. I should... I should, I'm always exiting early because then you end up really burning yourself. And the biggest losses I've taken are the ones where I was like playing the last trade. You know, they say in poker, don't play the last hand, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I would have caught a straight if I had held through the river last time. And now I've got four cards. I'm just waiting on one. You don't play the last hand. You play the current trade. You take your profits. You say thank you. You be happy and you move on to the next trade. Yeah. You know, what I always so say. Congratulations is- on Corsair. No, I mean, you're 100% right, Matt. I mean, what I always say is be happy about that you fulfilled a planned trade, not necessarily the results that you get in that planned trade. Because one of the things that I've always done is that I realize if I focus on the results, that just comes with emotions. But if I focus yeah. on the process, then that that is when you can look back at yourself and be like, man, I like this. I'm doing good. I'm focusing on my process. And, and and then that's when you start seeing the real kind of gainers just come, at least from, from my data, I've seen it. When I just focus on the process, just keep doing the process, process, process. Exactly. I, I like to refer to as uh, trading on uh, instinct uh, versus um, impulse. You know, you yes. don't want to be impulsively moving. You want to be developing an instinct where you know, you look at like professional athletes, they're not watching their hand dribbling the basketball. They already know, you know, how to do that. And they're able to react to the game, you know, based on experience. They're not, you know, you know, you don't want to be impulsive. You want to be instinctive. Um, and, you know, that, that it, it, you bring up another point, which is it's about having the idea, but then it's about executing the trade and executing the trade means taking profits. And that doesn't mean maximizing profits. Of course, that's the goal. And you want to like, you can move on to that and start learning, you know, more about reading signals and reading charts. 
to try to understand where those might come, but you really don't know the future. If you could 100% predict the future, you know, I mean, that's kind of what you're trying to do, but based on signals, based on patterns, based on experience. So it's one thing to have the idea, it's another thing to execute. And it's amazing how many times you can come up with an idea and miss the execution when you start getting emotional and trading on impulse. So I'm gonna show you a couple examples of that right now from last week's. Um, so last week we had a whole bunch of winners. I mean, it was really about playing the as many IPOs as you could and just avoiding the pitfalls. And I have to say that my ideas at the beginning of last week changed a little bit during the week. Um, I knew that Jiangman Education was gonna give us a pop. It's a Chinese, pretty low float. I mean, those have been kind of money and the it played out almost exactly how we expected. First dibs, I was pretty cold on it at last Monday. And then by the time it debuted, I had done a little more research. I had sussed out what was going on on Twitter. Clearly a lot of people liked it. I started seeing it less of an e-commerce play and more like a Pinterest or, a, or a, um, more like an Etsy for luxury goods um, or a thread up, which has been doing pretty well recently. Uh, Life Stance, we expected to do pretty well. Taskus and Kenzen, uh, we thought were you know worth playing. And the ones that we knew were not going to be great ended up not being great. Um, you know, the ones that uh, Marketa actually had better feelings about it on Monday by the time it debuted, the 400 million share or 40 million shares and just the way people were talking about it made me think, uh, maybe let it come down and try to play a rebound play on it, which is what I did. And I didn't lose money and, you know, took a, a small profit. Uh, another one was Zeta. Once I went on Twitter, people were saying, oh, John Scully, he's the guy who killed Steve Jobs's, you know, tried to fire or did fire Steve Jobs from Apple. And you start realizing, OK, no one wants to buy this one. Uh, it was a bomb. Um, and then you had another, it was JANX. Uh, it was a biotech that IPO priced at 17 and then debuted at 34. You know, that's just way too rich for a biotech. So you pass on that one. So you want to play your conviction. You want to pass on the ones you're doubting. It's okay if you miss some. The idea is not to make every single trade. The idea is to not lose money and play as many as you can. I had a great week last week just playing these, you know, that I'm showing you here. And you can see Jiangman Education, we expected halts on the way up. I got out, you know, right here. I thought maybe we'd get three halts. We got a two halt waltz. I was hoping for the three, three strike rule, three halt rule, ended up just exiting here. It's still a great win. I mean, you're in at 1630. You're out at around 1750, 18. And if you decided to hold through, you know, you got another chance to take even, you know, pretty solid pro profits here at 19. First dibs. This one was a great runner. Um, I didn't have as much confidence as maybe I could have if I had had a little more time to research it. But really, I didn't think that, you know, reselling luxury goods now that I see it, you can say, okay, well, duh, of course it was going to do well. You can buy Gucci bags for half off. Um, luxury goods are always going to be in demand. Um, but you had a great opportunity here to take open at 21. And as long as you held through, I mean, that was a, took seconds. You weren't going to exit there unless you really, you shouldn't have even been trading if you were going to exit that quickly. All you really had to do on this one is decide, do you want to take profits here or do you want to let it run all the way here? And even if you didn't run it here, you had a chance on the second day to, to do it again. So this one gave you a great play. Uh, L LFST, this is basically um, telemedicine for mental health. This was a pretty obvious one. That's been a very hot topic. 
uh, got in at 19.55, sold up around here. You'd be forgiven for taking a stop loss. I took part here and part over here. Uh, exiting in multiple stages is always a great strategy. And if you really had conviction and held it all the way through day two, you were rewarded with even more profits. So we're seeing a bit of a change in the IPO market, whereas last year we'd get this insane runs. Uh, the debut premiums were you know, 70, 80, 90%. You didn't feel like you had a, they were giving you as much room for it to run up. So you really had to be careful for those day two you know, drops. Now we're seeing a little bit more conservatively priced debuts and that's leaving with these strong stocks a little bit more time or a little bit more space, I would say, to, to run up a little bit. And it's not easy to be patient because when you don't sell, you know, at 22.50 and it comes back down to 21.50 to close the day and you see it trading down, you start doubting yourself. But if you just be a little bit patient and hold at least part of your position into day two, you're going to get rewarded uh, more often than not on these stronger, uh, recent, more recent IPOs. And it's something that I'm trying to look at and say, okay, Matt, you know, maybe spread out a little bit more and give yourself a little bit more room to take profits because I have been a little bit, um, you know, premature evacuation on these. And uh, that's not how you want to be. You want to use your experience to your advantage. Give yourself a chance to make a little bit of extra money. Task, same thing. Uh, opened here, 27.55. Ran up. I took profits um, around here on the first run up. And then I said, okay, well, I'll hold. And I didn't want to lose money here. So I put a, I saw this hard line here. I said, okay, well, if it dips, I'll get stopped out. It dipped just for a second and then ran up. So maybe I got a little bit uh, impatient again here if you were, but I didn't lose money. I took profits again. Don't kick yourself, you know, for, for making money. Um, but do try to recognize where there's opportunities where you could maybe at least take some of it and maybe let it run a little bit higher or set your stop loss to where you're really not losing money and say, well, you know, my downside is maybe I, I, I give up a dollar, but maybe the upside is I take an extra, you know, three or $4. So uh, Kenzun Chinese IPO, this is a pretty clear runner as well. 10 cent backed, uh, opened up at uh, 32.50, pretty much ran all the way up to 37. You're forgiven if you got stopped out here. Uh, if you ca somehow caught this spike at the end of the day at 38, you're kind of like, put a gamble, a limit or a sell. Good job. Uh, but this one was impossible to take a loss on. So get in, wait a little bit, take your money, move on to the next trade. With that being said, we have a full slate of IPOs for next week. Um, I'm going to run through them pretty quickly just because a lot of them are biotechs that I tend not to play, but there are some that are interesting and we're not going to be able to spend a lot of time uh, Mitch mentioned the newsletter earlier in the show, ipowarriors.com. I'm going to start sending the newsletter out on Monday after the show. So if you go to ipowarriors.com, sign up for the newsletter uh, right now, you're going to get the newsletter uh, in a few hours. And the reason is there's almost never IPOs on Mondays because they price the IPOs the day before and they don't price an IPO on Friday and then open it on Monday. Um, and it just makes more sense. I'll send out on Sunday the, re the newsletter that recaps the previous week's trades. And then on Monday, I'll send out the newsletter for this week's trades. It gives me a little bit more time to do some research on them. It lets people who watch this show each day sign up, or if it's their first time watching this show, uh, sign up for the newsletter, get the, you know, get the update. And um, there's just a lot to cover this week, so I needed a, a, another day to put it together anyway. But I think the schedule makes more sense anyway. 
ipowarriors.com, Twitter, Warrior IPO. Uh, let's jump into these. Okay, Acurex Pharmaceuticals. Now, I usually will just say pass because I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, There's a new class of antibiotics for infectious infections prioritized by the WHO as priority pathogens. Okay, there's a lot of people get infected by deadly diseases. These are new, a new class of antibiotics, as you have probably been told by friends or doctors is, you know, don't use antibiotics too much because you'll build up a resistance to, um, you know, to the antibiotics. So this is a new class that kind of like sidestep that takes another approach. And um, I guess the IAP, uh, the WHO says it's pretty important. Uh, they have one candidate that's in phase two. It's not too far away. Um, and the FDA has fast tracked this one. Uh, but it's a very small company. It's three employees. The underwriter is Network One Financial, who has done some of these ripping low float IPOs. And the float is only 2.5 million shares, which is tiny. It's about the smallest I've seen. And that makes me say, well, why not? Why not put, you know, 100 shares or, you know, 500, maybe 1,000 shares and just take your money out of the first halt? It's, you know, 10%, 15% win right there. Maybe leave some of it if it keeps halting. With 2 million shares, any kind of interest, if I see people talking about this on Twitter, it's a lock play. If nobody's talking about it and everybody's ignoring it, you know, maybe you go small, but 2.5 million shares, Network One Financial, that's enough for me to at least, you know, want to stick my foot in the water. AMTD Digital. This is an Asian digital banking service and just one, uh, they have just one of eight Hong Kong licenses for virtual banking. And they are also applying for virtual banking license in Malaysia and Singapore, which are all being highly regulated. I like Asian IPOs. I like the Chinese IPOs. And with a low float of 16 million shares, this one to me is a play. Walk me. Uh, this is basically a software that helps companies onboard their employees to new software that they've, you know, that, that they've started using. So if you think of a, any company, any big corporation, they start using a new, maybe they start using Monday.com or they start using, um, you know, any new platform that they start using. There is this HR nightmare of, well, how do we teach 100 people to use this new software? WalkMe has created a software platform that helps companies onboard you know, their employees to the software that they've invested in. Uh, they do have growing gross profit and revenue, but their cash flow negative, um, which is a little bit of a red flag, but hasn't been uh, too much of a problem for newly issued IPOs in the last couple of weeks. And with a low float of just 9.25 million shares, I like this one for a play as well. Uh, molecular Partners. Uh, this is one of those biotechs where normally I'd say, hmm, a DARPIN platform is designed using anchorin repeat proteins with a focus on infectious diseases, oncology, and oncology. I have no idea what that means. Um, they are developing two treatments for coronavirus with Novartis. Okay, well, that's something. That's a catalyst. That's a story. And with just 3 million shares, this one's probably worth like at least having 100 shares, 200 shares. The price won't be too high. And uh, you can take a, you know, a, a healthy profit with a limited downside on this. So again, I usually don't play biotechs, but when it's super low float and some kind of story, I'm more interested. Uh, Convey Holdings, this is health plan management software. Uh, they have growth and operating profits with a low float of 13.3 million shares. I mean, the way IPOs have been going, if I don't see a reason not to play it, 
I'll probably play it. I mean, everything has been given sideways or upward movement except for the obvious losers. And unless I see red flags, I like this one too. Uh, Lyell Immunopharma. I, my spell checker kept dinging me. I think Immunopharma is either a made up word or uh, something that's very industry specific. Uh, it's T-cell reprogramming. It's a biotech that does T-cell reprogramming, which sounds cool. Um, Terminator cells, but it's preclinical oncology, biotech. I really have no idea. Uh, there's too many other plays this week. It's a standard 20 million share float. So I'm just going to pass. It, may, it might go up. It might go down. I really have no idea. I just, there's too many other things to focus on and I can't play them all. Uh, so for me, this one is a, hmm, don't know. Let someone else uh, make their money on it. Unicisive Therapeutics, this is a kidney disease and kidney injury uh, treatment biotech. Super low float of 2.63 million shares, but Twitter seems to hate Roth Capital for some reason. They're the underwriter for this one. And almost not a lot of the Roth Capital IPOs have done very well out the gate. And I just don't know enough about this uh, to play it. So I think I'm going to pass. Angel Oak Mortgage, AOMR, it's a mortgage company, which is kind of boring. Uh, on top of that, they acquire non-qualified residential mortgages, which sounds risky to me. Home buying is kind of at the tail end right now. Interest rates are going up. Uh, we see that even Rocket Mortgage, which is kind of the leader in the space, has had a hard time like lifting off past its IPO price at 18. Got a bit of a run last week, but it was really more of a meme, you know, momentum type play. Even with low float of 8 million shares, unless, unless I see a lot of people getting excited about this, this one's also a pass. Um, I specimen. This one sounds interesting, and it's not listed on a lot of the calendars, so it might not get the kind of retail spike that or, or recognition, but it also could get kind of picked up during the day because it has a super low float. I mean, 2 million shares is almost unheard of. And it has an interest, it sounds interesting. It's online biospecimen marketplace for biotech. It's like a biobank of data um, for different biospecimens. And people can then buy and sell these libraries of data um, so that companies that are doing you know, gene ind indexing, running AI on large data sets to find molecules that uh, might be promising, you know, offer promising treatments. You know, it's like a marketplace for buying and selling those which, you know, Amazon for almost anything is at least interesting enough to uh, take a look at. And with the low float of 2 million shares, if people start talking about this, low float has been one of, it's, it's been one of those things that day traders are targeting recently. They're looking for low float plays. They're looking for over shorted stocks. They're looking for uh, some kind of, you know, gimmicky uh, data point to, you know, to identify and say, okay, well, this, the last one ran, this one will run. And I've seen that with a lot of these low float IPOs recently, which makes me think, you know, watch Twitter, see if people are talking about it. I'll be talking about it. If it catches any kind of headwind, uh, it doesn't take a lot of trading to, to pop these low float uh, IPOs. And the last one that's uh, scheduled is a tie life sciences, which I really like. Um, this is a psychedelics pharmaceutical for mental health. That's been a really hot, play recently. Uh, I think Mind Medicine really ripped uh, about a week or two ago and has been sort of a meme stock recently. Uh, it's backed by Peter Thiel. 
He's the guy who founded Palantir. Uh, he's backed a lot of companies that have done successful. He was the first investor in Facebook way back in the day. So I think this gets a lot of publicity and hype. I think it makes a run. The float isn't that high, 14 million shares. I mean, that's for, enough for me. I'm in big on this one. And then we have a Chinese IPO that is slated for this week, but they haven't given us the actual IPO date. It's Anhui Shou. Um, and this is an electronics recycling marketplace. It's basically recycling cell phones and laptops. Uh, I think those are probably the two major products that are recycled there. It's backed by JD.com, which is after, um, you know, the Alibaba and, um, you know, and properties, the second biggest Chinese e-commerce site. They do, they have a very large online and offline presence and they sell and service electronics. Uh, so a lot of it is refurbishing and recycling electronics from China and selling them to developing countries. Uh, they have accelerating revenue, shrinking losses, lowest float, 16.2 million shares. And recently, all of the Chinese IPOs have offered pretty nice wins. So I like playing this one. We have a lot of IPO opportunities this week. If I take one or two losses, that's fine. Uh, if the trend for the over the last few weeks continues, we're going to keep making money. If you guys join us over at Reddit, uh, our subreddit is ipowarriors.com. We had a bunch of people join us last week. They're all pretty happy with the results, especially Friday. By the time Friday rolled around, everyone's adding up their totals and you know, pretty impressed with people who some are really experienced, wealthy traders that are you know just looking for new ideas. Some people are relatively new to trading and looking for something that's um, somewhat easier to get your mind around, I think, than trades where you really have to think about what your entry point is. IPOs, you buy on the debut, sit back and you decide when you want to take profits. I really don't like taking losses on the first day or two simply because we see things rebound so often. We saw Monday.com debut at 173 drop or make a spike up to 180, which is where I said, okay, that's good enough for me. Then it dropped all the way to 155, but it bounced right back. And now it's up at, you know, on the day two, it's pre-market right now at like 195. So if you just hold these and, you know, it's really good practice, just relax a little bit. Don't panic sell. There's so many of these IPOs that give you the opportunity to take profits. And the question is just, where do you take profits? You know, and you learn a lot about setting uh, limit orders, setting stop losses, and you can take what you've learned and apply it to day trading if you decide to take the step into that. But it takes a lot of the thinking. We talked about the idea is part of the trade, but the execution is another part. Well, the execution is the entry and the exit. So we're removing the entry that you don't have to mentally tie yourself up. Is this the time to buy? Should I wait? No, just buy on the debut. If you like the stock, if you have conviction, buy on the debut and then wait a little bit, let it run up, Take your profits if you, you're impatient. If you're more patient, let it run a little bit. And these are great trades. It's a great way to learn uh, trading. It's really, I don't think of myself as a smart trader. I think of myself as someone who just does the work to research these IPOs, to learn about them, and then dedicates the time to sit there, wait for the debut, uh, you know, wait for the stock to move. Yes, if you have to go, if you're super busy, these might not be the best trades for you. But if you're trading, these are great ideas and a great opportunity to take profits. So what I got with Mitch. Definitely, definitely. I had a question in the chat that I wanted to, I just did a, a retweet of your posts, but wanted to let everyone know if you do want to find Matt Hammond on Twitter, guys, it's there in the bottom right of that, of that PowerPoint, twitter.com slash warrior IPO. 
definitely check it out, guys. And just to mention his tag is just as simple as that at Warrior IPL. So definitely check that out, guys. Give him a follow. Let's see how many follows we can get him today. Give me a thumbs up. If you guys appreciate Matt coming on here weekly and giving you guys this PowerPoint, please, please do us a favor, hit the like and let them know on Twitter. I'll upload this uh, PowerPoint to IPOWarriors.com as well, and you guys can download it and review it as you like. So thanks so much, Mitch. I wish you a great week, and I'll be watching your ideas and your stories uh, for, for other trade ideas yeah, we'll, coming up. We'll see. Like I always say, man, at the end of the day, story is everything in this market. So we'll see how these stories also react for these IPOs. It's all Thank a story. Thank you for coming on, story. <laughs> Yep. It's, all, it's always a story, man. Have a great right. day, Matt. Have a great week. Okay. You too, Mitch. All right, guys. Soon we're going to be getting switching over to David Green at the Open. He should probably already be starting up here right before the Open here at 930. I just want to really quickly, didn't want to leave out a person. The person talked about Pub M. I just sold some of my CRSR, guys. I'm going to be looking to see if it can come back up. Hold 4050. That's my downside for my last remaining shares. I have about a third of the position. I'll see if it can hold 4050 on any pullbacks. Pub M, I'm going to be watching, guys, to see if this one can get up today. I like that 34.93 high. Really, it needs to get back above 34 today. Pub M, Pub M, Christy, if you're out there, I didn't want to leave you out of that. I definitely wanted to get to that. All right, guys, wrapping up, guys. This is going to be it for pre-market prep. Up next, David Green trading with you live at the open. It's already 9.30, so I want to get you guys right there definitely smash the like guys and we'll see you guys later on at the close i'll be doing it with joel conan later today we got some great great shows we got um we got cigna sports on spax attack we're gonna have some great great interviews all day long also i mean of course check me out money mitts 6 p.m eastern i'll see you guys later hit the like let's see you guys hit that subscribe let's get it up let's get it up let's go to 120 this week hit that this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.